1: And welcome. We are so excited today for season two, episode two of the LaFora talk show. And we have Michael joining us. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Good morning. (laughs) And also, Miss Jean. Hi, Miss Jean. How are you this morning? Good morning, Miss Tanya. I'm good. Nice to see you you. (laughs) and we're also going to have Rommel who's going to be joining us, us in a minute so we are really excited to get started. Um, My name is Tanya Friedman and I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Kinetics USA and uh, every month we bring you the LaFora talk show and we have two new guests, Michael who's going to be sharing his journey with us and Rommel who's going to be joining us shortly Um, and then of course Miss Jean, the famous Miss Jean (laughs) who is uh, very well known on LaFora. and shout out to the LaFora admin team for giving us this opportunity. Um, because I think it's really important for nurses to help other nurses that are coming to the U.S. So before we get started, the purpose of the Lafora talk show is really just that, nurses helping other nurses, um, those that are in the U.S. already sharing their journey and their experience. Ah, and there we have Rommel joining us. Hi, Rommel. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) so we're just talking about the why we're doing the lafora talk show and for those of you who are in the u.s already you will know that there is a lot of advice and a lot of tips and pointers that you want to share with those that have not yet arrived here and and that's really what what this is all about so we're really excited to hear rommel and michael's journey and and of course miss jean is going to be chiming in and um All the time as well. Um, The Lafora talk show is an hour. So please stay on, because we're going to be sharing Rommel's journey. We're going to be sharing Michael's journey. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things, about their journey of getting to the U.S., um, about what it was like in the hospitals when they first arrived, what, you know, cool technology in the U.S. And they're going to be talking about um, what it's like to come on your own or what it's like to bring a family. They're going to be talking about the states, where they are currently located. Many people don't realize how different the different states are. So so keep on, stay on um, for the full hour and watch um, all of that information. And they're also going to be talking about COVID, what the situation is like right now in the states where they are located. So we've got a lot to look forward to. The one thing that we have asked the guests is not to share anything specific about the specific hospitals that they're working or the organizations they're working with, as well as the agencies. This is neutral. This is not, um, you know, talking about any specific um, hospital or agency or anything like that. Okay. So, with that said, let's get started. (laughs) Okay. so, Rommel and Michael, if you want to maybe start off and just each of you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, where, you know, where you're from in the Philippines and, and your background as a nurse, and maybe tell us a little bit up to the part where you, you know, before you got to the U.S., what was your journey? Who would like to go first? I can go. Uh, okay. Go, (laughs) Rommel.
2: Hi, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, everyone, wherever you are in the world today. Um, I previously worked in a pharmaceutical company before moving into the U.S. Um, My course actually in college is bachelor's in science and physical therapy. But having worked in a pharmaceutical company, I've I've um I have medical doctor friends who invited me to take up nursing. The main reason being that I really wanted to go to the U.S. um, as a physical therapist. But at that time, in two thousand, I graduated in two thousand and one. At that time, um, the physical therapist from the Philippines um is actually barred. Um, There was a big uh, hoopla in in one of the results of the the certification board in the Philippines. And we are banned to go to the U.S. All of the clinics, we were told in the Philippines that all of the clinics and hospitals in the U.S. um, has this memo in their board saying uh, they're not accepting Filipino physical therapists. So the only option for me to go to the U.S. is to take up another science course that is um, in demand in the U.S., which is nursing. And fortunately at that time where my my medical doctor friends invited me to t- take up nursing, they were offering a fast track um, nursing course for physical therapies, dentists, OTs, um, and doctors for a two year one summer, uh, fast track course. And then you can take the exam as an RN in the Philippines. And eventually, you can take the boards in the U.S. So that's what I did. So I took the opportunity. I, I took up the fast track course nursing. And, and that was history. So, But luckily for me as well, my doctor friends really pursued me. In in doing the school thing, because I was working back then in in a pharmaceutical company. Um, So I I gave it my all. Um, On top of me working in a pharmaceutical company, I have to finish everything. So we do classes at night. I I don't have weekends because I was at school on weekends. Um, And I have, of course, to spend hours for my clinicals. So, and then eventually, after we graduated from that fast track course, I had to take up all of the exams. Um, so that was my actual background before me moving to the U.S.,
1: Wow. Well, it, you definitely had your goal in mind, Rommel. Rommel you, kn- you knew what you were wanting to do. You wanted to come to the US and you were going to do it no matter what.
3: <laughs> True. So, True. So,
1: and, and that, I, mean, I know a lot of nurses who are watching feel the same because, you know, a lot of nurses took up nursing for that exact reason. Michael, tell us a little bit about your background.
4: Um, um, my name is Michael Ray. I graduated nursing in 2008 in Cagayan de Oro. But I originally hail from Tagulwan, Misamis Oriental, and um, taking nursing as a course and as a profession is something that's unplanned. I never expected to land in this career because when I was young, I never really entertained the thought of being in a course that's medically related. Um, I was always poised by my family to take up law and become a lawyer. And in fact, I was already in my third year in preparatory law school when wow. I decided to, wow. to uh, shift to nursing, and that was quite a disappointment. I know for my dad. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what what
4: made
1: you what made you shift?
4: Um, my mom was in the states, and when I was in first year, and. Um, She was telling me a lot of uh, good things about nurses, uh, how nurses are working well and spending the best of their lives in their profession here in the U.S. at that time. And I was still close-minded at that time until um, a documentary in one of the channels uh, uh, in the Philippines had featured the lives of the nurses in the States. And that's when I started contemplating about you know, moving to, you know, shifting to nursing and probably because the preparatory law school that I had uh, was not really like an an exciting course. I got so bored. So I tried nursing and here I am. <laughs> I'm <now a> nurse.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure your dad is very proud of you now. <laughs> yeah,
4: I graduated. Uh, my graduation day in college was his birthday. Oh wow, so that's a good birthday gift. Yes, so even though it, he was no longer he 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 already passed away that time, uh
1: but I think I still gave him a good birthday gift. Oh, absolutely! I'm sure he was smiling down on you. And so I, I see we have oh we have a ton of people that are watching today. Please put into the chat what your name is and where you're watching from, and if you have any questions for Michael and Rommel. And Michael and Rommel, so you, you kind of came to nursing from different backgrounds, but tell us about your journey just before you landed in the U.S., because I know you both have very different experiences. So I think it's interesting for people to hear, and very different to you, Ms. Jean, also, because I know your story. <laughs> tell us about your, your, your experience of coming to the U.S.,
2: Go ahead. Okay, go first. Okay. Um, it's difficult for me. I was working back then, as I've mentioned, in a pharmaceutical company. So I'm working in a corporate world. and then I didn't have to go back to clinicals. And somehow being a physical therapist helped me as well. Um, for, for some of them, you know, memory works, uh, whatever knowledge I had, I brought in from physical therapy helped me. But what, what's difficult for me was the clinicals because it's totally different. Uh, We don't do bedside as a physical therapy. We only do clinics, right? Um, So the adjustment was really, I I should say, petrifying for me. Um, I was so scared um, going into clinics and doing my duties. Um, The the, the best part, and I think what helped me, as I've mentioned a while back, was having doctor friends as my classmates. Um, There were 111 of us um, in that class, but on my group, because we were grouped like into 10 and we do the rounds, we do all the clinicals in group by groups. So there was eight, I think, if not 10 in our group. I was the only physical therapy graduate slash RN And then nine or the eight of them are medical doctors. So it's easier for them to do bedside. But what helped me is their knowledge because they were teaching me basically nine people were teaching me uh, with my clinicals on top of the clinical instructors that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, But the adjustment really was very, very difficult for me because I was still working in the morning and then they would uh, uh, my clinical instructor would be calling me at night to do all those clinical duties. Um, so at night, I, I would be very, very, um, I should say, I wasn't really in the right mindset because my mind is at work and then I would be doing clinicals. So the adjustment was difficult. I have to give 120% of my energy. Um, I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and then on top of this clinical duties that I had, we were already prepping for the national exams. And we're we we're, were actually reviewing for the CGFNS. So but but the, but the but the school that I had for RN was really, really good because they were prep they, they were like a hundred steps ahead of us. Like we were doing the clinicals, but on weekends we, would, we were we are reviewing already for the national boards. And on Mondays, the, the, there are people coming in from the national universities, like the biggest universities in, the, in Manila, and they were reviewing us already for CGFNS and for the NCLEX type of exam. So I think that helped us because they really wanted a, the 111 of us in the class to pass and to really get good scores in the national exams because we are like the test, the test class. Um, they need to they need to make sure that we were on that top and that in that on the, uh, the top um, portion or on the top percentile of the national the, the national average in ta- in terms of the national boards um for 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 them to show to the to the nursing board in locally in the philippines that this is a good program so it was difficult for me because I was working and doing the clinicals and reviewing all at the same time. Um, but again, what made my life easier is because I have doctor friends on my group helping me. Um, but it was, it was really interesting. Um, at all, while all of this thing is happening, what, what's, what's in my mind really is, yeah, I should be doing this because I wanted to go to the US, in New York, particularly. Uh, I, I think what helped me to have that determination as well is that I have a partner in New York at that time who was also pushing me, okay. pushing me to finish it. Um, and, and I think that helped me as well. So I we had a good objective. I have good determination. Um, I have good support group. Being my group mates are all doctors. And they're helping me i had a good school because they're they wanted to you know to show the, the 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 philippine board that they have a good program so i that it was really it was really uh, um like i fitted in to the program and everything that's happening um helped me.
1: Wow, Rommel. So that was a lot of work, a lot of sacrifices, but with the determination you were and the support, you were able to get there, which is um, you know, which is what everybody wants.
0: We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show.
1: Michael, how? what was your journey like? Um, I would like to apologize
4: in advance. Uh, this is not going to be a brief answer as my story is uh, a little bit unusual and orthodox compared to other uh, nurses who came here. Um, well, of course, Romel has his story as well. Um, so I as I've said, I've graduated nursing in 2008 and then um, took and passed NCLEX in 2010 and um, spent around like five years in the Philippines uh, working mainly in review centers, um, conducting review classes for the Philippine nurse licensure exam and NCLEX. And I also work as a staff nurse in one of the hospitals in Cagayan de Oro. And because of my utmost desire to really land a good career in the U.S., I placed my resume in um, online job posting sites. And finally, in 2014, I signed a contract with one of the agencies for EB3. Um, And you know uh, how EB3 works. It takes years, even a decade for some to wait. So in 2015, I got another opportunity. Another agency um, offered me to work in Northern Mariana Islands in Saipan, which is a U.S. territory. Um, it's, it was a work visa. So I asked the permission of uh, my of that petitioner of EB3 if I can go and grab this opportunity. And they said, yes, it's not going to be a conflict of interest. So... Um, So I did. I did fly to Saipan in January of 2016 without knowing that that's going to be the start of a quite wobbly nursing career of mine. I did not expect that we would arrive there without a salary. And, you know, processing papers, especially if you're coming from Mindanao, Going back and forth to Manila, you would really incur, you know, debts, you know, because you have to pay for for plane tickets and hotel stays. So my concern that times how I'm gonna pay my credit card in the Philippines, and I always do pay on time. So it took around two months for those salary irregularities. But what really, um. Transpired or happened in Texas. I mean, in in Northern Mayana, that made me think of a different path. Was that at that time the entire island um, was struggling to accommodate all foreign worker visas to renew their visas? That I had to be. That mine was not renewed. Uh, my application did not um, meet the deadline. Um, as mandated by USCIS, that I had to be repatriated back home five months after my arrival in Saipan. And I was still, I, I haven't recovered yet financially at that time, but luckily I was able to go back and in August, two months after uh, in Saipan to work again, but this time already in their hospital. And they gave me a good reassurance that, hey, even though you, you applied to us part-time, we will be able to process your papers and readjust you to, to make you full-time working with us. and And so I did. In fact, when the consul interviewed me at the U.S. Embassy, she saw the contract that it was just part-time, and she was raising her eyebrows, I gave her the explanation as what was explained to me by the human resources at that hospital. But, so she did approve my visa, only to find out when I arrived in Saipan, three months after my arrival, I was told by their HR that they did apologize, that they're having the same problem. <laughs> that they have to send I'm going to be one of the first batches of nurses or workers in that hospital that had to be sent home and with the same problem. And and another thing, my part-time was not readjusted to full-time. So in those months that I was working there, I was not earning enough because I was only working part-time. And And so another agency went to Saipan to campaign for EB2. And I think a lot of you guys know about EB2. And so nurses there got enticed about EB2, but it's not free. You have to pay for the processing, and it's a lot. An, an immigration lawyer here in the U.S. offered me his services for a much cheaper rate. And so some friends expressed their support on me and I finally made the decision to give it a try and let go of the EB3 which I must admit it wasn't that it wasn't a good decision but I took the risk uh, because I wasn't prepared to go back and, again, home and backtrack. I, I didn't have an assurance, and again, if I could find a job in the Philippines or what. And so my my EB2 got approved initially. I was able to fly to Texas and move in a home health, working in a home health in Texas. Uh, when I arrived there in May of uh, 2017, I was happy because there were many Filipinos working. I felt there was, you know, I, I mean, there is that sense of belongingness. Then few months after I started hearing horrifying stories, um, I, these nurses were well-experienced nurses and were very stable working in Saudi Arabia and they moved to the U.S. I heard that their entry was tourist, And it's fine. But the thing is, um, they were asked to work, start to work. Even if their documents were not yet completed, some of them did start working without Social Security number. So for those of you... Um, who are still in the Philippines, you will soon know how important and how essential it is for somebody to have an SSN in order for him to work legally here in the U.S. And another thing I heard that there were like some, like some of them are saying that they are declared to receive this amount as their salary, but in real life, they only had this much. And they were struggling because they have family trying to sustain their needs here in the U.S. But I didn't want to meddle. I didn't want to intrude to their concerns. I just had to focus on my own thinking I was okay. And then eight months after my arrival in the U.S., I mean in Texas at that time, um, around um, January of 2018, I was wondering why there was no update yet with my EB2. So... Um, and in fact i had to resort asking the help of a of a, if is it a congressman or senator in in texas at that time in february of 2018 two guys knocked at my apartment's door and they introduced themselves as special agents investigators from the criminal fraud investigation department okay so i let them in and they informed me that this lawyer that is processing my my papers and this home health uh agency that i was working with were under investigations for some irregularities um, misrepresentations in some of the documents that these Filipino nurses that they're processing with so I just gave them information of what I know and on my own on my end too, and they invited me to be a witness to appear in court. <laughs> And I was sent in a city where I had to appear in court. All government expense paid. And only to find out that I was not allowed to testify because at that time I was still working in that home health. And the lawyer uh, from the prosecution panel told me that it's going to be a conflict of interest because they're from the prosecution panel and I was still working with, with these people that they're investigating with. And sadly, I was told by these agents that, you know what, Mike, your green card is still within reach. You can still have it, but we advise you, you have to look for another petitioner. And you know what? In those times, um, my family was not aware in the Philippines what I was going through. It was very devastating because I jumped to EB-2, I gave up EB-3. And now it was like a dead end. Um, And it even took me like driving to as far as McAllen, which is like a border between Texas, between US and Mexico, just to find another employer. And here in the US, human resources in hospitals, do not, have, do not seem to have much knowledge in how to process papers for foreign workers. Um, they don't know the dirty job. It has always been the agencies who have the expertise to do that. And it's always like money talks. So I got so tired. I was getting broke and I already have a car. I had to pay all these bills here in the U.S. and I already resigned from my job. I spent sleepless nights. Until I just decided to give up and go home in the Philippines in May of 2018. And at that time when my family, especially my mom, my mom is 79 years old already right now. Uh, it's, it's so sad. I, I, it broke my heart seeing my mom disappointed. Because I think it's always our goal to give them, to be a feather in their cap. But at that time, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I did regret that why did I have to jump to EB2? But I knew in my mind I didn't do anything wrong. But it just so happened that I fell into the, these wrong people. Two months in the Philippines, jobless. Hmm. Uh, I I was contemplating and trying to refigure uh, my career i didn 't know nobody like almost my friends were no had had no idea that I was already in the Philippines because they were thinking I was having a good life in the u s and god uh, god God moves in mysterious ways, um, and at that time, I did try to talk to my e b three petitioner, but I understood they were already disappointed. Um, no interest to uh, continue processing my papers. But in August of 2018, I received an email from them expressing their interest to pursue my petition. And their legal department did talk to me and had to understand what happened to me in the U.S. And they gladly told me, you're fine. We can continue process processing your EB-3 And I had my interview in the U.S. Embassy more than determined, more than eager to make things right in March 12 of 2019. And of course, the consul saw that I went to Saipan, moved to the U.S., and was like, okay. And accidentally, I was not able to update my DS-260. And she was like, ah, th- these were not reflected in your DS-260. But I'm going to give you some chance to correct them after this interview. So I was not approved right away. I got 221G. So for those of you who are in the Philippines who are still in 221 G, do not lose hope. That was March 12. My birth my birthday is March 23. When I went out in the from the US Embassy, I knew like I think there's gonna be a miracle that will happen before my birthday. <laughs> so checking my status in SEAC, like the website, it was administrative processing from March 12. And then March 22 was my last hope because it was Friday, the last working day before my birthday, which happened to be on a Saturday that year. I did check my SAac status um, on Friday, uh, March 22 in the afternoon. And yes, the status was updated from administrative processing to visa issued, And... Um, and as what they say in the Philippines, ma, ihada ang lechon. That's what I told my mom to celebrate my birthday. And I got here, I got back here in the U.S. in May of 2019. And the following month, I received something in my mail. I knew, I just knew that how, what was the content of that mail. But because of the the very devastating experience that I had to went through. I couldn't hold the envelope. I was sweating really bad. I was having this anxiety. But when I finally opened that it was my green card, it was indeed tears of joy. And and it was actually a reminder that there is hope if you just faith, if you just have faith in God. So now I'm here. I'm having a good time. With my career here in the United States as a psychiatric nurse. So, Michael, I know
1: yeah. shared the hardships that he experienced, but your journey and your experience is just I, I like it, it's just it, it's heartbreaking. I mean the 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 devastation, the feeling of hopelessness Um, Like it's never gonna happen. The determination to try and try and try. I mean, I I think where is it? Hayes was saying, "Kudos to you, Michael, for your perseverance and patience. That is good, really." And and I really want to thank Miss Jean for bringing Michael's story. To the LaFora Talk Show, Jean, do you want to share why you wanted Michael to share his story? Because you know, uh, different guests bring different backgrounds. Rommel has a different experience, but I think Michael bringing in his experience is really important to share. Why did you want yeah. Michael to share?
3: Yeah, I think last week Michael Michael told me that she has that he has a different story. He has a like, so there is something that was like a very extraordinary one so I told him uh just just take a video and just send it to me and then later on I realized that would take time so I told him okay call me I was at work that time and he told me everything so yeah I know there is uh there is something that's going on for the past for the past years I even posted one of those um well, there was one post and there are a lot of nurses who has complained about that there is that something is going on, not really a good one. So, And so I realized that uh, the story of Michael has to be told in literature because there are still a lot of nurses who are still coming here and they might be trapped like... What happened to Michael? So I did agree. And I guess he also told you that story before this time. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I really wanna just commend Michael for having the, the the courage and the bravery to share his story because um, you know, I think it was oh, I can actually cry because I think it was just, you know, it's a it's a story of of hope and miracle at yeah. the end, but the roller coaster and the emotion, I, I think, you know, we can all just feel that. As you were yep. going through it, Michael, and and you know, I, I'm so grateful to Ms. Jean for for introducing us because I think it really is a cautionary tale for everybody to hear your story. And um, as Robin as Rommel knows, the the experience is hard enough if you haven't ha- experienced those additional burdens. But you know, to to have gone through what you go through, if we can just help ha- help educate one nurse out there, you know, to be careful um um of you know who you trust and make sure that it's a reputable company and you know and and you know uh, please you know watch the kinetics youtube um page and you will see why eb2 can be a very difficult visa for nurses so you know to educate yourself about the process um, i i really just you know commend you michael for sharing your story and and for sharing the hope because you're here today um, <laughs> you're here today to tell the tale and, and you are a, a, a beacon of hope for so many people and um, as you say so many people get their 221G not even experiencing what you've experienced but just knowing that it can come right so never give up and, and really kudos to you
0: we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Nursing in America part 2 will be available next week so make sure you hit the follow button and come back to join us then if you enjoyed the episode, please help us and leave a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses internationally. We offer direct hire, which means healthcare facilities will directly sponsor and hire you to work here in the USA. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. You can find the link in the show notes.